got a, a taste of your presence this morning in worship, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that uh, we have a choir who help us appreciate art and beauty, and at the same time, truth. And I pray your favor on them uh, this morning, just as they continue to prepare and, and go about all the things that they do, um, that they would sense your presence in all they do. I pray for our faculty this morning. God, I pray that there would be a depth of insight as they teach and instruct. I, I pray that there would be this, also this, this sense of truth and how important it is in the way they teach. And as they teach your truth and all truth, God, that uh, they would help people see the incredible intricacies of your creation. And Lord, for our, our whole community as we go into Warrior Fest this weekend, I pray that as people come to Sterling, there'd be a sense of your presence, a sense of your peace in a world that right now is crazy, um, that this would be a place where people sense hope. And we can have that because we know you. So be with us uh, this morning in ways that we haven't perhaps experienced before. For those who really have never felt your presence, God, I, I ask that in some way that uh, your Holy Spirit would speak powerfully. And we thank you uh, because you answer our prayers. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was a freshman in college, and I lived on the third floor of our dorm. And I lived in the very end, and there was a staircase that came up, uh, that came up the, the corner of the building there. And we soon realized that was the only place you could enter in from the parking lot. And come spring, when you're really bored as a freshman in college, we discovered that we could remove the window in the third floor of that staircase. And it became a perfect launching point for water balloons. And so you'd wait for your buddy to come in from his car, and you had to time it, and... And you would sit there and, and bombs away, and every once in a while you'd score a hit. It was pretty cool. But you have to understand, guys are guys. So pretty soon, water balloons aren't enough. And somebody discovered a bucket. Hey, I can pour a bucket of water out, and it's got a wider dispersal rate, and I can get more people. We also, back in the day, we, we couldn't have microwaves in our dorm. Um, so we had these little air pop popcorn makers. You know what I'm talking about? They'll blow it out, and you had these big popcorn bowls you share. So my roommate, Dan, thought, hey, this would be great to have a popcorn bowl. So he had this big bowl that he would fill up, and he would dump water. And the last few weeks of school, this escalated. And when you were coming in from the parking lot, it was kind of like duck and cover. You're looking up at the window and seeing, and you'd kind of race in, and you'd fake somebody out and see if they could dump the water first. It's the next to the last day of school. I have one final left. I'm in my room studying, and, and Dan comes in, and he's like, Terry's on his way in. Get some water. And Terry was the guy across the hall who always got us. And so I, I grabbed a bucket. I had a bucket in there, and, and I'm, I'm grabbing that bucket, and I'm, I'm filling it up, and I'm in the hall waiting, and Dan's in getting his stuff filled up as well. And I start walking to the stairwell, and as I get about 10 feet away, around the corner comes our dean of students. And I am holding this bucket of water at a Christian college trying to figure out how I can lie without sinning. <laughs> can I come up with a story that's plausible enough that I'm not going to get fined? I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. My mind is just spinning. I'm, 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 I'm going to go take a sponge bath. Uh, I'm going to go wash my car. And all these thoughts are going through my mind, and he's just looking at me. 
And it probably was like two seconds. It felt like a minute and a half. And I'm just holding, staring at him. And I'm about to say something really stupid. And my door busts open. And my roommate decided not to grab his popcorn bowl. He got the entire big trash can. He had filled that thing. (laughs) He comes out like this. Where's Terry? And you have to imagine this. He's like this. I'm like this. And the dean of students is just looking at it. And he goes, what's in your hand? I had nothing. I had nothing. At that moment, Terry comes up the corner, comes up and looks at the scene, and he starts cracking up, and he goes over to the dean of students. He goes, look, they got a couple drops on me. Now we really want to kill Terry. And the dean of students looks at us and says, go put the water away. I don't want anything else. And he turned and walked down the stairs, and he gave us grace. But always remember that question, what is in your hand? The story we're going to look at today, that's the question that's posed. What is that in your hand? What do you have right now? Moses had grown up. Um, his mom, because they were afraid they were going to kill him, had set him adrift in the river. He was found by the daughter of the king of Egypt and, and was raised as an Egyptian But as he got older, he saw what his people were going through, eventually murdered somebody who was mistreating him, and he ran away and hid, and he'd been a shepherd for for 40-some years. Had no thoughts of ever going back to Egypt. And one morning, he's up on the mountain, and he he sees this bush that's on fire, and, and the fire doesn't go out. It just keeps burning and burning, and he goes over to check it out, and he has this interaction with God, and God tells him to take off his shoes because he's on holy ground, and God says, you're the guy that I'm going to send back to Egypt, and Moses basically puts up a fight. He says, no, it's not going to be me. Who do I say sent me? And God gives him this powerful statement, I am who I am. Well, what do I tell the people, and what do I tell the Potiphar? What what do I do, or what do I... what do, I, what do I tell people who are there? And so we get to chapter 4, and God says, what is that in your hand? Moses looks at his hand, and he's got this staff. It's a shepherd's staff. That's his protection. That's what he uses to fight off wild animals. That's what he uses to grab an animal who's fallen down a cliff. That's, that's what he uses to guide animals to get back in line. It's just a simple wooden staff. And it's that staff that's already in his hand that God is going to use for something extraordinary. This morning, I want to pose that question to you. And as we wrestle with that question, then I want to give you two follow-up challenges when we wrap up. First of all, what is that that's in your hand? Here's, Here's the problem. We live in a world, and I do this, and I'm sure most of us do this, that a lot of times we don't look at what we have, we look at what other people have. We can be having a really good meal, and you see the waiter bring by a meal to somebody else's table. Ever been there? It's like, oh man, that, that looks good. We actually have a term for it with social media today. Social media envy. Have you heard that term? One of the things psychologists tell us is that people post stuff because they want to make other people envious of their experiences. They spend a whole vacation trying to find the perfect spot to take a picture, not because it's a great spot, because they want to make somebody else envious. And we spend a lot of time looking for something 
that we don't already have and we can't enjoy what we have. Anybody from Ohio here? Anybody from Ohio? There's gotta be, I talked to somebody. Nobody from Ohio? Anybody live in Ohio for a while? Oh, man, you missed out. There's a place in Ohio called King's Island. King's Island is this amusement park. Back in the day when I was a kid, we used to go, and they had what was called the racer. The racer was this wooden roller coaster, and it was the best. You stood in line. Then they built the beast. And when they built the beast, the beast was the fastest roller coaster in the world. And the, ro- and the racer was kind of boring. And then they built the screaming demon. And the beast was kind of boring. You see, that's how we're wired. We're always looking for the next thing. We're looking for something we, we don't have. One of my favorite quotes that helps explain this is by a guy, a writer by the name of G.K. Chesterton. He says this, meaningless, uselessness, doesn't, meaningless does not come from being weary of pain, weary of adversity. It doesn't come when we're tired of fighting through stuff. He said, meaningless comes from being weary of pleasure. When things no longer satisfy. When things that are in their hand no longer satisfy them. Let me explain how this works in maybe some more real ways for us. People drink or use a drug and they get a buzz or a high. And it's great and they do it again and again, but pretty soon it stops working. The pleasure doesn't satisfy anymore, and so they have to escalate. They have to look for something else. Take pornography for an example. What turns somebody on initially when its absence of intimacy quits working? And so somebody has to go a little deeper and a little bit more intense and and a, a little bit more further Because what they have doesn't do what it originally did. And we look outside of what we've been given. Here's the first secret from this story. Moses is holding this staff. Moses is holding this this shepherd's staff. And, And God says, what's that in your hand? It's simple. It's ordinary. But when God gets a hold of what's in our hand... He transforms it into something extraordinary. You see, that staff, over the next 40-some years, that staff is going to become a snake. That staff, when Moses strikes a river, is going to turn the entire Nile River into blood. That staff, when they stand at the edge of the Red Sea and Pharaoh's armies are coming behind them, that staff is going to part the sea. When the people need water, that staff is going to hit a rock and water is going to come out of the rock. That staff, when they're facing the Amalekites and and there's this potential of getting defeated, as long as Moses holds that staff in the air, they win the battle. It's just a wooden staff. But when God gets a hold of it, something changes. And I want to tell you what's in your hand right now. What God has given you right now, whatever it is, in his hands can be extraordinary. There's a little teenager who has five stones. That's all he has. And with those five stones, he defeats a giant. 
There's a little boy who's got some loaves and fishes, and those loaves and fishes in the hands of Jesus feed a multitude. There's a couple pennies in the purse of a little old lady. And Jesus says those pennies are worth far more than the fortune in the hands of a rich man. So I want to tell you this morning, what you have right now, what you have in your hand is enough. Because God can take whatever that is and do something extraordinary. Now what does that mean? Let me give some examples here. I'm a coach, so I'm going to give an athletic example first. On my team, I have a wide variety of players. Some with certain skill sets, some with others. Every player has enough. Every player, if they're willing to use what's in their hand, adds something to that team. Here's a crazy concept. On my team, I have to have the best, worst player in the conference. You see, on every team, there's a best player, right? Or there's the most skilled player. And on every team, there's the least skilled player, the worst player. On great teams, that least skilled player, that worst skilled player, they're all in. They take everything in their hand, and they use it, and they make that team great. I'm a trombone player. I love jazz. I played in jazz bands for a long time. And in a jazz band, you've got to have a great lead. You've got, you, you got to have people who can play the solos. But you know what makes a great jazz band? A good bass trombone. They fill out the sound. They give the depth. That's what makes it great. Nobody ever notices them unless they screw up. We have a great theater department here. Have you ever watched a play where you realize one of the roles, not the lead, because the lead is all we go to people who are really talented, but one of the bit parts or, or, or one of the supporting roles goes to somebody who must have had pictures of the director doing something bad. Right? Or a movie where you, this, this person comes into the scene and just, what, I was enjoying that play, and now it's just awkward. If your bit part, that's the piece that's in their hand, isn't great, it changes everything. God's given each of us different abilities. Jesus put it this way. He told a story. There was a, a man, a rich man, who was going to go on a journey, and he brought his three servants with him. The first servant, he gave him five talents. Now, we have no idea what talents are. Here's, here's, here's what a talent. A talent was basically about 18 to 20 years worth of wages. So what are you going to earn in the next 20 years. He gave five times that to the one guy. Okay? A fortune. Never, he's never going to have this much money in his life. To another he gave two talents, and to another he gave one. And he said, I want you to invest it for me. I'm going to be gone on a journey. When I come back, I want to see what you've done. The guy who had the five, had the fortune, went out and doubled it. The guy who had the two went out and doubled it. And the guy who had the one buried a hole in the ground, stuck it in there so nobody would steal it, and it sat there. And the man comes back and he says, what did you do? And the man had, who had five said, hey, I, I, here it is, I doubled it. Well done. The guy who had two, I doubled it. Well done. The guy who had one, the man, man says, what are you doing? 
at least put it in the bank and earn some interest. Take it from him, give it to the guy who has more. Some of you have one. Some of you have two. Some of you have five. Some of you may have this multitude of talent. It doesn't matter what you've been given, it's what, you've been, what you do with it. And frankly, things don't change. How many of you have $20 or less in your wallet right now? You're college kids, come on, right? Okay. I'm going to tell you something. If you only have $20 and you're not generous, you won't be generous when you have 20 grand in your bank account. If you're not a person who takes time for people when you're a really busy college student, 30 years from now, you're not going to take time for people either. If you don't use what's in your hand right now and you bury it in the ground, well, I'm going to do it later, it goes away. It gets given to somebody else. But if you're willing to use what you have right now, God can do something extraordinary with it. My favorite moment in coaching of all time happened in 1990. I had a young lady, I was coaching sophomore girls basketball at Rosemont High School, go Irish, um, and we had just opened our fourth high school in our community. That high school took most of our good players and people said, Dean, you know, just, just help, help, them, help them have a good experience, it's, we're not expecting much. And so these girls came and, and this girl named Danielle showed up. Now I want to describe Danielle to you so you get a feel for her a little bit. Danielle was awkward. Danielle was one of those who socially just didn't interact. She could go a whole practice and never talk to anybody. She was strong. She was just physically strong. I would use the word stout to describe her. And she was blind in one eye, which doesn't bode well for being a basketball player. We soon learned that you can't ever throw Danielle a pass from her left side because she has no peripheral vision over there. And the ball would fly by, and Danielle would stand there, or it hit her sometimes. And so we had to figure out how we were going to have Danielle on this team, but she wanted to be part of the team. I said Danielle's awkward. Danielle disappeared for like five days. And this is before cell phones and email and things like that. Anybody know where Danielle is? No, we don't know where Danielle is. Nobody had her phone number because she didn't have really friends on the team. She shows up on Monday. I'm like, Danielle, where were you? Oh, my dad died last week. Nobody knew. She was not a good basketball player. And so what we did with Danielle is, that first of all, Danielle, on offense, you have to stand on this side of the floor so you can always see passes that are coming to you. And every day I want you to practice this shot from this spot. Because you see, if she was on this side of the floor, she couldn't see the basket very well. So everything Danielle was did over here, and Danielle didn't play the entire season. A couple knee injuries, kids had to get moved up to the varsity, a couple kids decided not to play. We get to our last game of the season. We are 9 and 10. We have a chance to be 500. We're playing our cross-district rivals, Apple Valley High School. And if we beat them, we're 500, and they were really good, so it's, it's going to be like a huge championship for us. We're down to six players. And one of them's Danielle, who's never played in a game before. 
So we, we start the game. And no kidding, five, six minutes into the game, my point guard sprains her ankle. You ever watch Hoosiers when the coach is looking down the bench trying to figure out who he's going to put in and there's nobody there? I look at my bench, there's one person and she can't see me because she's down there and I'm on her left side. <laughs> like, Danielle! And there's this look of utter terror that comes over his face. We got nobody else, you're it. So we played her on one side of the floor on defense, one side of the floor on offense. And for three quarters, we stayed 10 points down the whole way. And then it was like, okay, we got to come back. Let's press. Danielle, do you know what a press is? Nope. Okay, you're back. You're the safety. <laughs> Don't let anybody make a basket. Okay, I can do that. We made 10 free throws in a row, which never happens in sophomore girls basketball. We got a couple steals. And with about half a minute to go, and I got to tell you, I've won conference championships, I've won tournaments. That still is the moment I'll never forget. Danielle made one basket that season. Danielle didn't have much in her hand. She stood on one side of the basket. She shot every day. She wasn't sure what was going to happen. She didn't even expect to play. And she makes the most important basket of our entire season. But that's just the beginning of the story. You see, Danielle then, I don't know if you saw when she walked to the bench, she didn't even know what to do after she made the basket. Like, everybody's jumping up and down, she just kind of walks over and looks around, and what do I do now? Danielle started showing up in my classroom in the mornings before school. The next year she said, can I come out and play tennis? She became one of the best doubles players at the school. By the time she graduated, she had friends, she was interacting, she was going to college. You see, my God that I serve can take whatever is in somebody's hand and he can transform it. He can make it something extraordinary. And whatever it is you have, whether you got the five talents or you just got one, whatever he's given you, I'm going to tell you this morning, it is enough. It's enough. Because if you let him use it, it becomes so much more. It becomes more than a staff. It becomes more than stones. It becomes more than a layup or a jump shot on one side of the floor. That's the God we serve. So the big question you got to ask yourself right now is what is in your hand right now? Not what does somebody else have. Not what's out there. What do you have, hope to have someday? What is in your hand right now? What has God given you right now? now. And then two things happen in the story. God says to Moses to do two things. The first thing, and these are the two challenges. The first thing he says, okay, Moses, you got your staff, throw it down. We might think this is a simple thing, but when Moses throws it down, he's given up his protection. He's given up his livelihood. He's given up his hopes and dreams of being a shepherd. And he's saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to go on this, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to head off to Egypt. So he throws it down and it becomes a snake. Here's the first challenge. Some of you need to look at what's in your hand. Okay, this is it. But before God can use it, you've got to throw it down. It's there. 
You've got some strength. You've got some ability. But right now, you're holding on to it so tight that God can't do anything with it. And there's something there. Some of you are holding on to stuff because there's bitterness or there's resentment or there's hurt from your past. All are legitimate. But as long as you hold on to it, God can't do anything with what he's given you. For some of you, it's pride. I wrestle with this one all the time. I want to be acknowledged. I want to be known. And as long as I hold on to that pride and I look out for myself, it's only what I can do with what's in my hand, not, not God. There's a book I read when I was a kid and talked about how this tribe of uh, people trapped monkeys. They would take a gourd and they'd cut a hole in it and they'd put bait and they would chain it or tie it to a tree. And the monkey would come at night and would reach in and grab the bait. But because the bait was big enough and the hole was small enough, they could get their hand in, but as long as they held the bait, they couldn't pull their hand out. And the monkey would sit there all night trying to pull it till in the morning they'd come out and whack it over the head and make monkey stew or something. I don't know what they did with the monkeys once they caught them. But what trapped the monkey was the fact they wouldn't let go of what was in their hand. Some of you, some of us, I should say, are stuck where we're at right now because we're afraid to let go of what we're holding on to. We're afraid to trust it to God. We're afraid of what he might do with it. We're afraid of what the future might be. And we're okay sitting in this situation we know instead of taking a risk of what the future might be. And for some of you, God's word to you is today, I believe, it's time to throw it down. It's time to open your hand, let it go, and start that process of God transforming it into something extraordinary. As long as you hold on, you're not going to go anywhere. As long as you hold on, you're going to be limited to what you can do. But if you're willing to let go, God can do something incredible. Then God says to Moses, the snake is slithering around there. Okay, Moses, now pick it up. What do you mean? Grab it by the tail and pick it up. That's a scary thing. Pick it up. It's time to go with it. Danielle, get in the game. What? It's time. Some of you know what God's called you to do. Some of you know the next step he's called in your life, the next, the next piece, but you've been scared to make that move. What if God doesn't come through? What, what if he doesn't? Holy Spirit to you is saying, pick it up. It's time. It's time to go. It's time to step out. It's time to grab that thing. Let's head off to Egypt. Seniors, pick it up. You got one year. Life is coming. Grab that baby by the tail. Trust God that what you're picking up, he's going to do something extraordinary. What's in your hand? What has God given you? Do you need to throw it down and let go and let God heal? Do you need to pick it up 
and go and trust. Let me pray. I'm a big believer in symbolism and physical actions. It's easy to listen. For some of you right now, God is saying, let go. It's time to let go. It's time to throw it down. I would encourage you just where you're sitting, open your hands. Doesn't matter how you pray, just say a simple prayer, God, I'm letting this go, I'm giving it to you, I don't know what's gonna happen. But symbolically open your hands and let it go and let God start to heal and move. For others, you need to pick up and right now take your hands and make a fist, grab hold of whatever it is and say, God, I don't know where this is going, I don't know what this is gonna do, but God, I'm grabbing hold, I'm trusting you, take what's in my hand and make it something extraordinary. Lord, as we sit here with these open and closed fists, I pray that we would sense your Spirit's power, that we would sense your presence. For those who don't even know you, God, that they'd be aware that something is going on inside of them and that's you drawing them to you. But God, I pray, you, you, you've given us things in our hands this year at Sterling College. And I pray that as we look at those, we acknowledge you and you make them great. You use those things in our hands to bring hope and peace into a broken world. You take what's in our hands and use them to encourage each other. God, I pray specifically that this weekend you would use what is in our hands to make Warrior Fest this extraordinary thing for this school and community. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I trust you. So thank you for your presence. Thank you that you take anything and you make it great. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here it is.